Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting The Motley Fool. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Tuesday, January 14th, and I'm your host, Emily Flippin. Today, we're taking a look at one of the biggest trends we've seen over the past decade in consumer goods. That's personalization. Joining me today is Motley Fool advisor, Tim Byers. Hey, Tim. Hey, Emily. How you doing? I'm all right. It's a kind of a special day here for me, because normally, you're in Colorado, but today I get to have you in studio. That is true. I'm back at HQ for the week. So, yeah, it's good uh, good to be here. What brings you around? Uh, so we have a uh, we have a, a special uh, project that we're working on that uh, members will will hear about a bit more next week. So I'm sorry to be a, a little bit cagey about it, but uh, it's it's tech focused since I focus on a lot of tech. But uh, we'll have more to uh, more to announce next week. So look for that. Not cagey at all. It's very exciting. <laughs> Well, for listeners, that might sound a little bit disconnected, I guess, to the trend that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the big question, you know, what would what, what tech and consumer goods have in common? But I actually think that the trend that we've seen towards personalization of consumer goods mm. has a lot to do with tech, and that's largely going over investors' heads. Um, you know, for a long time now, consumer goods companies have been using technology to personalize the yes. buying process. Uh, a Deloitte report has called this trend the rise of mass personalization. Yeah. It's a little bit of an of an oxymoron there, but I think the idea being that, yeah, in more and more consumer goods categories, people want to buy a product that's tailored to them. Right. And, you know, um, the, so there was a book back, um, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit here with this, but The Motley Fool was founded in 1993. That same year, uh, two consultants, Martha Rogers and Don Peppers, published a book called The One-to-One Future. And the idea was that it, it was a fascinating book. I actually really love this book. I wish I still had my copy of it. But the idea was that in the future, technology would enable markets of one, meaning that um, – and this is similar to a book uh, that the former publisher of Wired published called The Long Tail. But the idea was that – the more technology invades our lives and gets more pervasive and allows us to be very specific in how we use data, we can create markets of one. So there can be a market for Emily Flippin uh, that markets exactly to your taste. The dream. The dream. Yes. Like it's a little, it's potentially a little spooky, maybe a little creepy, but also amazing. Just this idea of whatever your tastes are and what you permit a company to know about you. And then in return that you will get back a fully tailored product that is that meets your desires is is very it's it's very valuable. It also theoretically would dramatically improve margins um, because you'd be willing to pay more for for that kind of service. So this does feel like and and you know, let's just talk about retail. This does feel like a little bit of retail nirvana in an era where malls are closing in mass scale. 
um, and where Amazon has taken the idea of having a superstore, putting it online. And so you don't know, you don't really need a superstore anywhere else. The opposite of that is, well, Amazon may be a superstore, but I'll fight that by being very specific and being able to cater to people on a personalized level. You mentioned dating yourself. I'm about to go even further back here. Oh, man. <laughs> well, when you talk about this trend, I can't help but go back to what caused mass production, right? So before the Industrial Revolution, sure. everything was specifically tailored for you, for the most That's part. That's true. Yep. And a lot of things were a lot more unaffordable than they are now. People didn't have as many clothes in their closet. That's true. Right. And in my experience, not as many pairs of shoes as I, as I may own now. And, and industrialization... Yeah, allowed people to get access to a lot more stuff for a lot cheaper. So we talk about using data to kind of go back to the time before mass uh, industrialization. Is everything just going to be crazy expensive? So if I want the Emily pair of shoes, is there any way for this to be mass personalization? Or is it a very expensive pair of shoes? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. I mean, are, are we? do we ever get past the Henry Ford quote of you can have any color you want as long as it's black, you know, for, for the Model T? Um, it, it's a very interesting question, and it requires some real innovation, I think, around this idea of being able to make a base set of products that can be easily customized at the end. Um, and, and and so we've seen this before. So for example, and, and we've seen this largely in tech-driven models where it's it's much easier to take a piece of software and, and tweak it, theoretically at least, because you're not dealing with a hard product. So Pandora was like this, right? Where you know they, they it was built off of the human uh, or the music genome product, not the human genome product, the mu- the, the the music genome product uh, 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 project, and you would be able to listen to music that was uniquely tailored to you because Pandora would get to know what your tastes are. Um, being able to deliver that on a on a mass personalized scale in retail stores, like in physical stores, I think is really hard because in order to fill out a store, you do have to have some pre-selected product. And last I checked, you cannot predict as a store owner, like who's going to walk through the door. So you have to have some kind of representation of what the average is. You have to sort of design for the mean. Um, and so it's really hard to be mass personalized in that. Where technology gets interesting is when you have data. And so where this world, I think, is starting to come into play, just to use a really simple example, would be if you have a Kohl's account. You know, Kohl's is big consumer goods retailer, mass, you know, mass provider of like clothes and regular consumer goods. But if you have that account and you have a shopping list and you have shopping patterns and that data is available, then Kohl's can make it easier to optimize its merchandising in local stores to fit, you know, roughly like if it took the data in a map and just be able to fill its stores with merchandise that's much more likely to appeal to the demographics of its members in that specific region near that store. And it does have in-store pickup. So it's certainly possible. I don't think it becomes where everything is a premium, but where we've seen the most success with this, I think, is models like Stitch Fix. I know you and I have <laughs> have gone back and forth on Stitch Fix many times, but this is this is kind of the model we're sort of going to, which gets to the, well, 
if you're willing to pay a premium, we will be willing to put real resources into, and for those who don't know, Stitch Fix is a personal styling service. You put in a lot of data. They get your taste. They get your measurements. They get, you know, ideas about where you are in life, what your attitudes are, what you really, really like. And then they try to style you accordingly and not only surprise and delight you, but also meet your very specific personal needs. And you're going to pay a premium for that. So there's a little bit of both. I think we haven't seen a model that works with mass personalization where it's just like, this is the model, this is how it'll be. It's much more likely, especially in retail, I think, where there's going to be a low end of the market, and maybe that's this Kohl's trying to optimize model, and then a higher end of the market where Stitch Fix is giving you a very tailored experience, the Emily Flippin' Shoes. Yeah, I, I hear both sides of those arguments. There's maybe some potential here for personalization to save what has been an increasingly dying traditional retail environment, while also offering the opportunity for more lean operations to meet specific needs. But what I keep coming back to is brands, I guess, because brands have, for so many companies, been the driving force of Mm. purchasing. Uh, One that just comes to mind off the top of my head is maybe Lululemon, which has done a great job in building out its own brand in a very traditional retail environment. They have an online presence, of course, but they, they still keep their physical stores. And it's not a product that can be tailored to any specific need, but they still continue to perform really well. Right. And so in a, in a situation like that, then there's the question of, you know, if you want to mass personalize, then how many SKUs do you have, right? You know, the SKU, which is like the, the retail term for a specific line of product. And so the more you try to tailor to individual tastes, the more SKUs you have. And then how many SKUs is too many SKUs? And then you have too much data to manage. So it's really interesting. And you're right. Like brands do matter. There are some companies where, so like the reverse end of the spectrum is where the brand is desirable and the investment is in the brand. You're less interested, I think, in being it, having it be very personalized. The personalization, the relatability is to the brand itself. Cause, like, you know, I'm a Nike guy or I'm an Apple guy. Like, I have identified myself as an Apple guy for a really long time. So, I have a personal and emotional connection with the brand. And so, I get the computer or the equipment that roughly fits what I want from Apple, but Apple dictates entirely. Like what its product line is going to be. There is no such thing as a Tim Byers, you know, Mac. Um, and there never will be. And I don't think there should be. So to your point, which is a good one, there is this segment of like, where does mass personalization get in the way or, you know, can get create conflict with companies that are selling based on brand? Yeah. And, and part of what kind of makes me ask that question, going back to Stitch Fix, is the fact that Stitch Fix doesn't really sell brands, right? You, If you're subscribed to Stitch Fix, you're not doing it to get a specific brand of jeans. You're not doing it to get a specific brand of purse, shoes, or shirt. You're there for the personalization aspect, and if it's a specific brand as a result, then all the better. I think that's largely true. Where that may be changing is that, that Stitch Fix has just recently unveiled it's um, you know it's instant buying option, and so there may be some buyers who are Stitch Fix is misunderstood in a number of ways. One of the ways I think it's misunderstood is it it 
is classified as a subscription box company, and that's not really where they make most of their money. Like they're not necessarily depending on you to buy a box every single month. There are some customers that do that. Uh, it's more likely like maybe twice a year, four times a year, and they have you in the system. And so when you come back, you can expect a personalized experience, but you come back on your own terms. There may be some instances because Stitch Fix is starting to work with some of these brands. And here's where it can get very, very interesting. Where can a company like Stitch Fix, which has very detailed and very interesting data on customers, serve a company like a fashion retailer that really does sell on brand? And where can those two come together and create a more personalized but also meaningfully connective experience? So let's say it's Michael Kors, just for example. And Stitch Fix can say, you know, we have run the numbers and we found out that 35% of males uh, 26 to 49 prefer these colors of your type of you know, clothing. That's very valuable for Michael Kors and it's something they can't get. So, or at least they typically can't get. So that gets them a little closer to mass personalization, but that that isn't Michael Kors doing that. That's like a loose and virtual and largely tech-enabled value chain where the customer is giving over some data and saying, here, give me some value for my data, and these two sort of brands come together. But I think you're right. It's it's challenging for a brand to, to really make this happen without interesting partnerships. So this push to mass personalization may see some some interesting variable partnerships over the next few years. Yeah, I, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit more. But before we move on to discuss some of these companies and brands that are really playing off of this trend well, uh, the new year, it's it's about growth and it's about change. And I know personally, I've just been trying to spend more time outside and less time doing busy work. But if you're a small business owner looking to grow your business, LinkedIn can help you cut down on that busy work and find the right hires that will set you up for a strong year. LinkedIn Jobs changes the hiring process by putting the power back in employers' hands while matching candidates with the right job. Now, in my experience, it's the soft skills like adaptability and collaboration that are the hardest to gauge with candidates. LinkedIn Jobs changes all of these, but because they encompass those soft skills as well as those important hard skills like coding and years of experience, all into their consideration. It's no wonder that a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool to get $50 off your first drop post. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Tim, we've talked a lot about Stitch Fix, and I definitely want to still continue to touch on it. But there are lots of other companies like Stitch Fix that are playing off of this trend towards personalization. And I think one of the things that we're finding with these companies is that sometimes the unit economics can be pretty challenging. Mm. So uh, I was actually a recent Stitch Fix subscriber. I'm not a huge clothes person, so I, I did end up canceling my subscription. But I will say I was impressed with the personalization mm -hmm. that I got in my box. I liked everything that they sent me. But when I left, I got a coupon code. It said, 
You get $75 if you refer a friend and they get $75. And as an investor, the first thing that came to my mind was, wow, that's a really high customer acquisition cost, right? Mm -hmm. So is that just a testament to the value they get from their customers? Or is it a hard or is personalization just a hard thing to make the unit economics work for? I think it's a testament to the long-term unit economics. Like Stitch Fix has a real like most businesses that are trying that are relationship driven like what there's a good reason to do and there's i think there's really only one really good reason to do mass personalization is you're trying to drive relationships and long-term value with customers like your unit economics are dependent upon increasing value over time with that customer and so your upfront customer acquisition costs will be high because your law your lifetime value on that customer is worth it so as you grow, so just to, to throw some numbers out on Stitch Fix, generally, they tend to do about 8 to 10% every quarter, year over year, in active customer count. I think last quarter was 9%. And the average spend per box goes up somewhere between 15 and 20% every year. So there's some leverage in that. So as they gain customers who become active customers, they do spend more and they stick for, for a longer period of time. So it it is a meaningful upfront customer acquisition cost. But to the degree, like they give you a coupon, right? And then they ask you to give that coupon to a friend and they try it. And if they become a customer, the payoff period on that is not nearly as high as it could be if it was a a mass you know market where you're just trying to blast as many people as you can. You know the customer value over the lifetime of that customer is pretty high if you can get if your capture rate is pretty decent. But um, Stitch Fix, to its credit, has been profitable for a long time. They tend to turn up the spigot on different levels of marketing. Um, they, they're cash flow positive. The economics of this business have been very good for a long period of time. But I think this is one where it's the snowball effect. As they continue to grow their customer base, as people tend to stick for a long period of time, and they find that Stitch Fix like trust if they trust Stitch Fix over the course of time, then that's where the biggest value comes and where the cash flow really starts to roll up for them. And there's lots of e-commerce companies when I think about yeah, having the ability to kind of roll up customers and retain them um, with less pricing pressure. There's lots of e-commerce companies that do this as well. Uh, a company that obviously I'm a big fan of, I've talked about a lot, is Chewy. They, sure. Yeah, they they send out personalized notes to all of their customers, and while the product that they're selling is obviously not a personalized product, they don't make dog food or cat food specific for you. They personalize the customer buying experience that you feel some sort of loyalty. Yes. I think Etsy possibly is a, another good example of a company that is is playing off of that personalization too. I 100% agree, and I you know so let's go back to your pre-industrial revolution <laughs> example again. Like this, this was the model. Like the idea was, if you are a cobbler 
or if you were a blacksmith or, you know, or a baker, you know, you would have a consistent base of customers and those, those were your loyal customers and you would stay in business and grow over the course of time because you'd be serving these same customers for years and years and years. And so, yes, you know, as those years went on, the acquisition cost of that customer starts netting down to close to zero, but the lifetime value had gone through the roof. So now we're taking that model and trying to push it forward and bringing it into the into the modern era using technology. So Chewy's a good example. Etsy's a great example because and so frankly I think any store that's on Shopify, very similar, Etsy and Shopify and Shopify stores in the same way. Um, your acquisition cost is going to be the net marketing cost minus the platform cost for being on Etsy or Shopify. And those platform costs are not really high. They're low their subscription, you get a tax write-off for that. Um, so then really what you're focusing on is finding your ideal customer. You actually are trying to do some degree of mass personalization there. And when you find them, you can grow very big. There are relatively big businesses that have started and grown up on Shopify. I'm confident that the same is true in Etsy, and it will become more true uh, because those are platforms which are very – there are – there, the platform does not compete with the the business itself, which is not true of Amazon, um, and so it, it gives them some runway. Uh, I I like that a lot, and I I do think as this goes on, as these businesses start to figure out how to market to their customers specifically, it increases the total value of the platform, and it also just increases the value of the business, um, and it's better for the consumer experience. I think. What I think is really interesting about Shopify, not to completely derail the conversation, but as a consumer, uh, we're really just focused on buying products that we like yep. and that we have a good experience buying. So whether it be quick delivery, low prices, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously Etsy is playing off of that trend really well because when people shop for their holidays, they find themselves going on Etsy as opposed to Amazon because sure. they get more personalized products on Etsy. Uh, companies like Shopify and Etsy, to an extent, they're not trying to convince consumers to go to their websites, right? So Shopify isn't actively going after consumers and directing them to their customers' platforms like Amazon is trying to direct customers to their platform. They're just trying to create the best experience possible for the businesses that are using the Shopify platform, which theoretically could keep their costs much lower. Right. And I so in this era, like what we're really coming around to is depending upon how you use data as a business, how responsible you are with it, and how careful you are in building that relationship with a customer, every business can do some form of mass personalization. It's probably a little bit it's a little bit early. I think the technology is still developing a bit and the business models are being shaped. But you can be a business like the Real Real, you know, which is another you know, consumer products company. It's online. It's you know, lightly used, vintage, um, really you know, impressive, uh, high end fashion items, um, and it's it's a kind of a spin on consignment. But to the degree, like so, even the real real, right? They have a certain amount of inventory, and it's impossible to predict who is going to be shopping on that site, and yet. If you're the real real, you have account control, you know the data of the, the customers there, it's more likely 
that if if you're responsible about it, you can make an effort to put the right product in front of the right person at the right time. And in the end, that's kind of what personalization is, at least in its current form. The ultimate idea would be personalization is I make an order, then you make it to my specifications like a tailor would if you were ordering clothes. So there's, there is a difference. We're not quite there yet, but I think data is pushing us in that direction. So I have one last question for you, which came to my mind because you said every business can do personalization on some scale. If you are a business out there, right? If you're a public sure. trade company, even just yep. a small business, and you're not doing anything for personalization, do you think that business survives five years from now? If you're a small business and you don't have scale in order to create the whole, like you're not Apple and you're able to have a brand and you deliver a whole experience and your brand is desired and and people are shopping for you at the brand level and they just want to be associated with that brand, yes, then I think it's it's really difficult as a small business if you do not have a brand that you know creates emotional resonance with that customer and you're not doing if you don't have that and then you're not personalizing i think it's very difficult for you to stand out and in a market like this where dollars are scarce businesses are plentiful and the options for customers to reach out and find options is greater than ever before because of google um i yes i think it it makes it very tough having said that though if you are in a market where the options are scarce, and I'm including either online or physical, like you're in a small town, for example, and you have most of the options that people want, um, and maybe you have a small web presence and you can do – because I've seen this. Shopify stores that are in really tiny towns, and they have one physical location, and so they do some e-commerce – but then they also are in this town and they're an entirely unique store. And so their brand isn't that, you know, it's it's a beloved mass brand. It's just a small town brand like that store does something unique. And I can go there and get something that I know is unique. And then it exists online and it also sells something unique. Those of real micro niches, I think they can survive. But if you're in the middle, I think it's tough. Well, It'll be definitely exciting to watch this trend play out, especially for a lot of these bigger publicly traded companies that are, yeah, seem to be succeeding really well based off of the trend that will likely continue into the near future. It sure seems like it. I mean, I, I very much like, to be fair, I do own shares of Shopify. I, I do really believe in this idea that there are you know, 10 million, 20 million, 50 million small businesses that can exist can exist largely online with a small physical presence and serve a micro niche extremely well. And I believe that companies like Shopify and Etsy are going to help them do that very successfully over the next 10, 20 years. It's definitely been the case thus far. And uh, yeah, Tim, thank you again for joining us today. It's not just a treat to have you on, but to actually have you on in person is always special. Yeah, thanks a lot, Emily. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocusatfool.com or tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the videos from our podcasts over on YouTube. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any companies mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. 
Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass today. For Tim Byers, I'm Emily Flippin. Thanks for listening and Fool On. Thank you.